Five months changed my life. Freshman year in college, I was beginning to question my faith. Uh, today, people call it deconstruction. Back then, we didn't call it that. But, you know, I had all kinds of questions, all kinds of doubts. And, you know, the church I grew up in, the answers they were giving me, they weren't enough. So I walked away from church. I walked away from my faith. It wasn't until the middle of my sophomore year that I came back to church. I came back, kind of. I was still feeling very lost. I had all kinds of questions, all kinds of doubts. And, but you know what the biggest question I was struggling with? Is this Jesus thing for real? Is it worth my time? Is it worth my energy? Because it's not for real. Why do I bother with it? Why am I wasting time on it? But if it is for real, then how do I get serious about it? How do I become a committed follower of Christ? What's my next step? You see, I was tired of playing the church game, right? Going to church because I'm supposed to. No, I wanted to be serious or not at all, right? Is this Jesus thing for real? So I decided to try something. Um, I tried to do something called spiritual practices. Uh, now, this was 1989, spring semester of my junior year. I decided, you know what? I can do these practices for five months. You know, I can just you know, stick to it and do five months. And, uh, and those five months altered the trajectory of my life. Uh, now, before I tell you more about what happened during those five months, let me introduce myself. My name is Charles. I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team. Uh, I want to welcome all of you here and those of you joining us at the various sites and venues, as well as those of you joining us by streaming on computer and by podcast. So glad you're here. To the Chinese speakers, to the Spanish speakers, es un gusto de aquí con nosotros. Today, we're starting a new sermon series, as you heard. And this sermon series is on spiritual practices. I'm so excited about this. Now, last week, we closed out Live This Book. Nine months, right? We talked about the story of the Bible, and we learned things, critical things, important things. We learned who God is and what he's up to in our world, right? This is a broken world. He's trying to restore it. And he's recruiting a people. Okay, that's us. He's recruiting a people who know him, who love him, and share his vision for the world. And he's, he's given us his Holy Spirit to transform us so that we can live out his character as part of this mission to the world. Which means this is what it means to be a Christ follower. The Christian life is about two things. Deepening our, deepening our relationship with God and becoming transformed into his likeness for the sake of his mission. Right? This is what we learned from the last series. Okay? We got that, right? Cool. We know that. Obvious next question. How? How does this happen? Just like magic? Right? How does this happen? Does God do this? Or do we play a part in it in any way? See, that's what this series is about. This series is about spiritual practices. This series is about the part we play, how we contribute to our deepening relationship with God and our transformation into his likeness for the sake of his mission, which means this series is practical, folks. It's hands-on. It's rubber meet the road. Last series is about learning stuff. This series is about doing stuff. It's about trying stuff. Now, now before I jump in on the whole spiritual practices thing, um, I need to clarify a few things because there's a lot of confusion when it comes to spiritual practices. What, one reason for that is in our culture, people talk about spirituality, right? They, they use the word spirituality. People say things like, oh, I'm not religious, but I'm very spiritual. People say that, right? So, and then, and then 
you know, you, you have the various Christian traditions and they all have different views on spiritual practices. So it's very confusing and we have a lot of questions. So I'm gonna start by just kind of clarifying some of these questions. I'm gonna go straight at some of these questions. And I'm gonna start with something easy, all right? Here we go. This is the easy one. The Bible commands God's people to do spiritual practices, okay? That's a no-brainer, okay? Someone, blessed is the, is the one whose delight is in the Torah of Yahweh. Okay, when you see the word Lord in all caps, that marks God's personal name, Yahweh. And the, the Hebrew word for, for law is Torah, which really should be translated as teaching. So let's try, blessed is the one whose delight is in the teaching of Yahweh and who, who meditates on his teaching day and night. Right there, we're talking about two different spiritual practices. There is meditation, and then there is reading the, the Bible, okay? Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. For in six days, Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This command is about taking a day of rest, of stopping from work and focusing on God. This is in the Bible. In fact, in fact it's so important in the Bible, it's actually in the Ten Commandments. This passage comes out of the Ten Commandments. All right, that's the Old Testament. Okay. What about Jesus? Luke chapter five. This is about Jesus. Yet the news about Jesus spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus does two different spiritual practices. One is called solitude, getting away from people. And the other one, of course, is prayer. And Jesus does this regularly. Now, okay, I can keep doing this. I can, spend for the, I can spend the next 30 minutes throwing up passages after passages after the passages in the Bible that talks about spiritual practices, okay? But look, there is absolutely no doubt about this. The Bible envisions God's people doing spiritual practices. That's not a problem. That's not where the questions are coming from. The questions come from this. When God's people do spiritual practices, they do them for the wrong reasons. And when we do them for the wrong reasons, the spiritual practices, they actually get in the way of what they're supposed to accomplish, okay? So we need to know what the wrong reasons are. So, so here are some common wrong reasons why people do spiritual practices. Wrong reason number one, doing spiritual practices to gain favor with God. Now, some of you come out of, out of Christian traditions where, you know, you're, you're told to do a prayer or do something spiritual to atone for something you did wrong, to atone for a sin, right? To, to make up for something you've done wrong. That is not biblical, okay? You don't do anything. In fact, you can't do anything to earn forgiveness, right? This is part of the gospel. It's a critical part of the gospel. You have to understand this, Okay? The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, we are joined with Jesus on the cross. Your sin died on the cross with Jesus. It's gone, right? And at that moment, you're reconciled with God. You are adopted as a son, as his daughter, which means there's nothing you can do to earn forgiveness. There's nothing you can do to earn God's love. You have it all. It's called grace. It's awesome. It's the gospel. On the flip side, some people do spiritual practices because they think that can gain them favor before God, like brownie points. You know, like, like they can trade, like, like I, I, if I pray a lot, 
I can trade that in with God. Maybe God will give me something I, I want, right? Okay, that sounds really kind of crass, I know, but, but I'm trying to make, make explicit what's often in people, back to people's head, right? Like that I can horse trade with God. <laughs> I do something God wants, he does something I want, right? Right? And people actually, some, some people make this explicit. They'll say, hey, be more generous, right? Give to the church and God will bless you with wealth, right? People say that. So let me just be something really, really clear. Spiritual practices are not a currency you can trade with God. You cannot use it to gain forgiveness and you cannot use it to gain favor. That's not what spiritual practices are for. If you do them that way, you will get nowhere with them. All right, wrong reason number three. Oh, two, wrong reason number two, sorry, I just did one. Wrong reason number two. <laughs> I know how to count, okay. Doing spiritual practices so that people think we're spiritual. Now, okay, this, Jesus was struggling with this problem way back in the first century, right? Back in Matthew 6, Jesus says this. He says, hey, when you fast, when you do some kind of a spiritual practice, like fasting, do not look somber oh, as, as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. You see, in the time of Jesus, there's a group of people, and, and they're like doing spiritual practices in front of everybody else to gain a reputation for themselves, right? People go, oh, look how, look at those people. They're so spiritual. They're so amazing. Wow, they love God so much. Now, this is not a problem just for the first century. I right? so just want to point that out. Anytime a church encourages the people to do spiritual practices, this becomes a temptation, okay? This is what happens. There's that part in us. You see, we're broken people. Our, our hearts are messed up. Right? We start doing spiritual practices and all of a sudden there's this temptation to go, oh, I'm better than you. I'm more spiritual. I'm closer to God. That spiritual pride comes up. And then, oh, I get the reputation from other people. Right? We are broken people, folks. This is a major problem. So we're doing a series on spiritual practices. We gotta know this and be on guard against it. So what does Jesus say? Jesus says what? Do the spiritual practice. But... Be careful, be on guard, take action to prevent you from using this to build up spiritual pride within and a reputation from the outside. Be on guard against it because that goes against what spiritual practices are for, right? All right, now we get to wrong reason number three. <laughs> Doing spiritual practices to improve myself. Um, now in our culture, spiritual practices are very popular. Right, people are learning things like meditation, breathing exercises, visualization. Um, our culture borrows practices from all over the world and they bring them in. But there's one underlying goal, which is to make myself better, to improve myself, to help myself. These practices are used for sometimes in mental health issues, for people with mental health issues that helps them a lot. For other people who are like, oh, look, I just want to make myself better. I want to have, I want to experience more peace. Well, do meditation. I want to stop being so angry. Well, do some breathing exercises, right? Or, or I want to succeed in what I'm trying to do. Visualization, visualize success, right? I want, to, I want to be less materialistic. I want to transcend this shallow, trivial world. Hey, do A, B, or C. It's about doing something to make ourselves better, to more, a better version of who I'm trying to be. That's our culture's understanding of spiritual practices. 
Now, let me make it clear. I'm not saying that people shouldn't do these practices. Some of these practices can be helpful. I just want to make it clear that it's different from what we're talking about. We're talking about something completely different. Okay? But it is confusing because in our culture, they use words like meditation. The Bible talks about meditation. They use words like spirituality and spiritual. We use words like spirituality and spiritual. And because of that confusion, we can have unhelpful responses. People often respond in two unhelpful ways. Number one is we just merge them together, right? We just do spiritual practices that are all the same. And so we start doing biblical spiritual practices with the same goal as secular practices. We start doing them to help ourselves, to improve ourselves. And the other unhelpful response, we become suspicious of all spiritual practices and we avoid them all. Neither response are helpful, okay? Look, the Bible says God's people do spiritual practices, so avoiding them is not an option. So the only way forward is that we do spiritual practices, but we are very, very clear very, very clear about what we're doing and why we're doing them and how it's different from spiritual practices in our culture. Does that make sense? We got to do them, but we got to know how and why. Okay. So let's go there. Why do we do spiritual practices in the Bible? What's the point? Well, spiritual practices in the Bible are rooted in the story of the Bible. And luckily for us, we just spent nine months talking about the story of the Bible. Right? So here's what we learned. We're broken people living in a broken world. We are soaked and steeped in the brokenness of this world, in the injustice, in the exploitation of the systems. We, we, are, we are surrounded by its understanding of what is beauty, what is good, its value system. We adopt its language, its culture, its way of seeing things. Right? The culture tells us what to think of ourselves. what to even wear today. The culture tells us everything. We're soaked in it, we're steeped in it. The culture is remaking us into its image. And then Jesus comes into our world and dies on the cross and we're joined with him, and we're reconciled with God, and now I want to live to image God. But how do I do that? Right? How do I do that? I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I want to image God, but I still live in this world. I have the same body, the same memory, the same practice, the same values. I'm a new creation in Christ, yes, but a whole lot of things haven't changed. So how do I start imaging God while the world is trying to make me image the world? Well, the Bible says we can't do it ourselves. I can't count on my will. My will is corrupted. I can't count on my desires. My desires are corrupted. The Bible says the only thing that can change us is not a thing, is a person. It is the power of God who comes and dwells in our lives. That's right, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who comes and dwells in you and says, I can make, remake you into the person you're supposed to be. And spiritual practices are ways we cooperate with this Holy Spirit. You see, it's a bit of a problem, okay? The Holy Spirit doesn't impose himself on us. The Holy Spirit is remarkably respectful of human freedom and choices. He wants us to jump in. He wants us to want to transform. He wants us to want to deepen this relationship. And when we want to, when we, we need to do something to express our desire to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. 
And this is the core difference between biblical spiritual practices and secular spiritual practices. In the secular world, spiritual practices, the word spiritual refers to the non-material dimension of our existence. You know, you're, you're a spirit. You're, you're getting in touch with that spiritual realm. Spiritual practices gives you access to impersonal forces and energies that can make you, give you the things you want, change into the person you want to be. Biblical spiritual practices, the word spiritual refers to the Holy Spirit. Biblical spiritual practices refers to things we do to partner with the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Okay? Do you understand this? Spiritual practice in the Bible is not self-improvement. It's not self-help. It's not remaking me into the person I want to become. No, 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 no. It's opening space up for the Holy Spirit to come in to do something he wants. Okay? The Holy Spirit wants to do something in your life that's unexpected, that you cannot imagine. Yeah. And spiritual practice is about opening up that space. Okay, that sounds very theoretical. Let me see if I can give you an example that, that, that can help us understand. Um, Serena and I, we have this friend, she's a great artist, and uh, she came to our, our house one time, our condo, and she was looking at this big patch of blank walls, blank wall, and she said, hey, can I do something? Can I, can I draw something there? No, 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 Serena, we, 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 we love this person, she's, she's a great artist, we totally trust her. We're like, sure, of course, do whatever you want. So, so um, yeah, for the next two weeks, she came over almost every day, right? right? And then I was there. I opened up the door for her. You know, she, she carried this, this big, big, you know, ladder. She came in and she started drawing on our walls for two weeks. And, and this is what she did. This is what she did. This is what it looks like. These are close-ups and you see the scale, the scope of this thing that she did. Okay? It's amazing. Now, what does this have to do with spiritual practices? Here's the thing. An artist came into our home and made something spectacular, made something inspiring. Every day, Serena and I were like, wow, I can't believe this is in our house. <laughs> we marveled at it. We were like, we're like just enjoying it every day while we live in that place. But we can't do this. We're not artists, right? We can't even imagine this. This was her design. This was her artistry. This was her, her doing hours of work on that while painstakingly drawing everything. But we did contribute, right? We did something, right? We gave permission, and I was there to open the door every time she showed up. <laughs> we contributed to the creation of something amazing in our home. Listen up, people, listen up, listen up. God wants to do something absolutely amazing in your life. Do you understand that? God wants to do something absolutely astounding in your life. Things that you cannot do on your own, things that you cannot create on your own, things you can't even imagine, can't even conceive of if you only let him. If you only let him. That's spiritual practices. Opening up space, giving God the permission for the Holy Spirit to come in to deepen 
your relationship with God and to transform your life into his likeness in ways that you've never thought of, in amazing ways that you cannot even imagine. That's spiritual practices. All right, let me recap. The Bible envisions God's people doing spiritual practices. Okay, no doubt about that. You don't do them to gain God's favor. You don't do them to gain reputation for spirituality. And you don't do them to improve yourself. It's not self-help. You do them to cooperate with God, the Holy Spirit, who has the power to remake your life in ways you cannot imagine create beauty and artistry that you cannot conceive of. I did not know any of that back in 1989. I was a 20-year-old college student. I was lost and confused about my faith. So I decided to do three spiritual practices. I'm going to do them for five months, I said. I figure I can keep it going for five months. That's about it. Okay, so I tried three of them. Picked one. Number one was I was going to serve my roommates. I was living with three other Christian guys. And I said, okay, I'm going to, without telling them, every night for five months, I'm going to go after dinner and go to the kitchen and do all the dishes, including their dishes. And I'm going to clean up the kitchen. I do them without telling them. Number two, spiritual practice number two, I was going to set boundary on the source of chaos in my life. And the biggest source of chaos in my life back then was school. I was a junior in an engineering program, which means midterms, um, projects, problem sets. They come sweeping through, and I'm pulling all-nighters, and I'm pounding no-dos and Jolt Cola. You guys know Jolt Cola? Tagline, all the sugar and twice the caffeine. And I said, no, I actually just decided, no, I'm putting a boundary on this chaos. I'm going to stop work at night at 10 o'clock every night. If I'm not prepared for the midterm, oh, well. If I didn't finish my, my, my problem set, oh, well. I just need to rework my time and use my time better and manage my time better. So I put boundary on the chaos of my life, and I created space for the third spiritual practice, which is at 10 o'clock every night, I'm going to open up the Bible, and I'm going to read it. I'm going to write about what I think. Write about my questions and write down my prayers. Three spiritual practices, five months. Now, I wish I could tell you how that changed my life. I mean, I mean it's like, I wish it's like, there wasn't this lightning bolt moment, you know, everything changed. It wasn't like that. It was kind of, it was gradual. First thing I, rem- I remember vividly, how time felt different. Like every, every evening, we're all eating dinner, and I'm like, okay, I got to get in front of them, get to the kitchen. Right? I, I need to like move myself there at the right time so that they don't see what I'm doing, it, but the, when they come in, the, everything is cleaned. Right? And, and uh, uh, the, the, these guys are great. They're, they're, they're great guys. I love them. Love them. But okay. They, they, they know how messy I am. So they're like dying in shock that I'm cleaning up the kitchen every night. And like a bunch of guys, nobody said a word. Because <laughs> they're all thinking, hey, if we say something, maybe he'll stop. <laughs> And it's just like, okay, so, so I clean every night, and then I go upstairs to my room, and I start doing my homework, and at 10 o'clock, I stop. Not done, promise that's not done, oh well. Pull out the Bible, and I start reading, and I start writing, right? And, and what was happening was this. The Holy Spirit was using that space created. The Holy Spirit was using the act of service, was, was, was using that boundary of, of chaos, and the space created for reading and listening and thinking, to transform my life. Now, I got to tell you, it was not all of a sudden 
but it was noticeable. And by the end of that five months, I knew I was a different person. I no longer felt lost. My doubts were gone. I had encountered the creator God of the universe, and I knew who I was in Christ. My life has never been the same since. Now, a bit of caveat here. I'm not saying that if you do spiritual practices, the same thing will happen to you. In fact, it's guaranteed the same thing will not happen to you. Why? Because it's not a formula. It's not do A, get B. That's not what this is about, right? Remember, we're encountering the Holy Spirit who is endlessly creative, who wants to come into your life and do things amazing and beautiful, but just for you. So it will look different. And it will be astounding. It will be unexpected. And speaking of unexpected, one other thing happened during those five months that was life-changing. Um, did not plan it, didn't see it coming. It's a Holy Spirit thing. Um, you know how messy I am. But during those five months, every evening you will find me standing in the kitchen cleaning. Well, one day, my roommate, he invited his good friend to come over to study. Well, his good friend, her roommate, also came along. And that roommate is Serena. She walked in. The first time she ever laid eyes on me, First time she ever laid eyes on me. <laughs> she saw me standing there and it was clear. I had just done all the dishes and I was wiping down the counters and her thought was, wow, this guy cleans. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> Never was there a more false first impression. <sighs> and by the time she found out the true extent of my messiness, it was kind of too late. <laughs> now, in my defense, I did not plan this. The fraud was perpetrated by the Holy Spirit <laughs> because he knew I needed the help. <laughs> but let me caveat once again. I'm not saying that if you do spiritual practices, you will find the love of your life. Not saying that, okay? Do them for the right reasons. Okay? Let God, let the Holy Spirit do wondrous work in your life. All right, let's talk about this uh, uh, a series. The series called Summer Camp, Adventures and Spiritual Practices. And um, how many of you have ever been to a summer camp? Hands up. Been to a summer camp. How many of you who haven't been to a summer camp have seen it in a movie, like seen a summer camp movie? Okay, that's pretty much all of you now. Okay. So you know what happens in a summer camp, right? There's, there's all these like activities you can try to do, right? You, you can go swimming, you can go canoeing, go tennis. You can like weave friendship-based bracelets. I don't know, underwater basket weaving. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> You can do all kinds of stuff. The point of summer camp is to learn skills, to do something you haven't done before. Try something new. That's summer camp. Well, this is a summer camp on spiritual practices. Okay. And look at this, this, this list of, 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 of topics coming up this week, this, this whole summer. We got a whole bunch of these different spiritual practices coming up. Now, now, at a summer camp, the first day of summer camp, you go there and you have different camp counselor come onto the stage and they'll say, hey, I'm leading this activity. I'm leading this activity. It's really cool. Come and join my activity, right? Well, that's kind of what this is about. Every Sunday, a speaker will come up and talk to you about a spiritual practice. And it's going to give you a pitch on why you should adopt that practice for this summer. All right? And, but it's more than that. 
Okay, this, this summer's gonna be amazing. We're gonna have all kinds of social activities at the different sites. We have small groups you can join. We even have, okay, two movie nights. Okay, summer camp, there's movies. There's gonna be two movie nights at Blockhawk Church where you get to invite friends, invite neighbors, invite colleagues. It's gonna be fun, it's gonna be amazing. You're gonna hear a lot more about the movies next Sunday, okay? So get ready for this. It's gonna be awesome. So here's my challenge for you for this summer. I said at the beginning, the last series was about learning stuff. This series is about doing stuff. I challenge you. I'm gonna dare you because I hear that works better. I dare you, okay? You can't do all of them, all the spiritual practices, but you can pick two, maybe three. Commit to doing them this summer. Now, here's how it's different from, from, from summer practice, summer, summer camps, real summer camps, right? Summer camps, you, you, learn, you go and learn a skill. Okay, well, that's kind of fun. Here, when you learn a spiritual practice, when you're doing a spiritual practice, what you're doing is you're inviting God to show up in your life. So do a spiritual practice. Do two and see if God shows up. Give him the space to work. The Holy Spirit wants to do something absolutely beautiful, absolutely astounding in your life if you will let him. Would you commit to doing that this summer? Let me pray for us. Father, as I prep this talk and remember the course of my life and how it's been changed, I give you grace. I give you gratitude. I give you, give you thanks. You, you do beautiful things in people's lives and we are grateful that you do that, and you're working in all of our lives. But what you want so much for us is that we actually respond and cooperate and give you more space to work. And so, Father, we pray that this summer would be a great chance for us as a church, Father. Come among us and do beautiful things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.